Welcome to the Mostly Soccer Podcast. Today is Monday, Tuesday. No, it's Monday, February 6th. Monday, Tuesday, a new day of the week. <laughs> it's Monday, almost Tuesday. It's February it's 6th, February though, right? February 8th. It's also oh! February 8th. Oh, no. He's all I'll messed rest- up. I'll restart it. <laughs> all right. Uh, I don't have to redo the recording. All right, we'll just try it again. I'll cut it out. Okay. All right, it's February 8th. Fuck. All right. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Mostly Soccer Podcast. Today is Monday, February 8th at 6.14 p.m. sharp. My name is Michael J. Dalo, and today I'm here with Jimmy. Jimmy, what today? I am a proud, I'm the driving force, I am Jimmy Hype Train. I am am the Phil Foden Hype Train. I am the England Euros and World Cup Hype Train. Oh my God, if you're an England fan, you must be on cloud nine. Watching Phil Foden, watching, but I can't pronounce his name ever. Bakayo. Bakayo Saka. Even the man looks like he lost his dad, and all of a sudden his stepdad is even better, likes him even more. Mason Mount playing his ass off. Oh my God, England. The talent is overflowing. Um, I, I'm driving the hype. I mean, Phil Foden, I, I tweeted it on our account. You probably got mad at me. But I, I tweeted that he's not one of the best young players in the league. He's one of the best players in the league. And honestly, this season, it doesn't feel like hyperbole. He is playing out of his mind right now. Jimmy, we're going to have two very opposing attitudes this podcast. You're hyped up, and I, I am know. furious. You're, you're furious, but it's just a different type of hype. You're yeah. you're ready to like you're like a, a rioting town with the pitchforks. You're ready to go that direction. I'm here. Well, I'm over here just just soaking it in, sitting on the beach. Everything is feeling pretty, from what looked to be. And I think I I did a good job of always staying positive on it. I want to give myself credit of saying I was never out on city this season. I think the lowest I got was the West Brom draw. That uh, that got village fired. Uh, it was a low, but that was apparently what City needed to wake their ass up, and they now sit five points clear with a game in hand. Sit ten points clear of Liverpool, who I've said all season is a real title challenger. Again, with a game in hand. Oh, I feel good. I feel good. And where are Arsenal? Arsenal, they're 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 not there. They're, they're not in the top half. No, they're, they're in eleventh. They're in 11th, yeah. And we played the two extra games. Yes. <laughs> but anyways, Jimmy. Well, one extra game, I should say. One more than say. They played 23. We're gonna do our. Uh, we're gonna do our normal, our normal hit on some of the different teams. But I think we're gonna do a little less of that today. We don't have any Twitter questions, um, but we have the elephant in the room. The reason why I'm furious, and I think we need to go there first. And it's about VAR. I need you to take a look at what I'm wearing. <laughs> uh, he's got a he's got a shirt. It says a very unkind word about VAR. Do you want to say it? Fuck my say it. VAR. <laughs> Fuck VAR. And uh, VAR had a hell of a week. A hell of a week, Jimmy. This uh, we we've had two games go by since we've last recorded, and though not this weekend, but the week prior. The games, yeah horrific 
it was so bad far in multiple games that it actually convinced me. And I am not a conspiracy theorist. I don't blame referees, or at least I try not to. I try my best not to. It has actually convinced me that matches are potentially being fixed. And what are your thoughts on that just initially? It's a couple things. One, I think it goes beyond VAR this week. I think we saw uh, a just shocking level of officiating. We're going to go through a few of them, but just on the field, in the bar, the bar, in the Mm -hmm. VAR monitor, everything that was done this week was just, quite frankly, a joke. It was pathetic from the officials. We're going to talk about my my buddy Mike Dean at some point. Like, there's just there's so many issues uh, across the board in terms of match fixing. So, like, which is a big thing to say, but I will say there are the decision of when to go to VAR and when not to go is the one thing I do not understand. I do not understand it. We saw it in the city game again, which didn't have an impact on the game where they chose not to go to VAR on certain things, chose to go on others, little odd at times. And then we saw it, we saw VAR decision-making go to a new level. I think you're going to really want to talk about, obviously, David Luiz is the, the main one I think you want to talk about. But we saw uh, Banderek as well was a controversial one. Um, Soychek. Soychek. Well, Soychek is the Mike Dean one that, yeah, it's just, there's just, I, I don't know if I want to say this match fixing, Michael, but I, I, I it's gotten such to such a level where I no longer understand what we're doing. Right. Like I watched the game and it could go any direction. And I believe you if you told me, hey, guess what? This guy fell over and they decided it was a red card and he didn't even touch him. I'd believe it because it's gotten that ridiculous. Why I am actually believing that matches are being fixed is because things are so just it, it's just too convenient the way that things work out. And when things are bad, it like when it rains, it pours with VAR. So like, for example, in that Arsenal game, Arsenal had a goal uh, called back against Wolves from VAR from literally Lacazette being half a shoe off. Fine. Call it semi-consistent for what they do. Sometimes they call that, sometimes they don't. The speed in which they make that call, though, is funny to me. Because you don't see the, the little red line coming up from the man's elbow uh, 20 yards down the field. We didn't see that with Arsenal, and we mm-hmm. never do. Things are always so clear-cut when it's Arsenal. Things are, oh, he's offsides for sure. No need to bring out the little fucking red lines and, and take a deeper look at that. It's just not the case with this team. Um, and, you know... Wolves had a few fouls that weren't called against them. Quite a few, actually. Uh, it seemed like there was a little bit of favoritism from the ref pregame. He's going around giving knuckle touches to every Wolves player. They're all going up to him, all buddy-buddy after the game. You know what? Fine. I, that that doesn't really raise red flags to me, but it's annoying, definitely, after the fact. But it, it's just the calls that are made on the field. are And bad officiating has been a trend in the Premier League since I've started watching. But then being able to take a second look at it and then not doing anything about these egregious calls that are being made on the field and making them even more horrifically wrong. It's a level of any human being with two eyes and a fucking brain. You don't even need eyes to see what's going on. You just need to be semi-coherent. You can tell that something is very wrong with these calls that they're making. And 
specifically with the David Luiz red card, in what world is that a red card? In what world is that even a card? Call the penalty. I don't care. You can call a penalty. But when you call a red card, that's a game-altering decision. And mm-hmm. so is a penalty, but less so than a red card. It, it's just, it's being done so, so wrong. It, it feels so wrong that these calls are being made. They're being upheld by people who get to see the same view that we do. And I don't think I'm being biased in saying, like, the calls that have gone against Arsenal this season have been egregious. They're, they're beyond the level of bad where you can just say, oh, we were unlucky and we move on. They're to the point where now even the players, I mean, they're taking a social media and they're, they're posting pictures. And I think they believe it, too, a little bit. They believe that something is going on where they're being, uh, they're being picked against, basically. Uh, I just don't know what to make of it anymore. And uh, as an Arsenal fan, I might be biased in saying this, so correct me if I'm wrong. So the David Luiz one is, is weird. But again, I, I don't. I don't think it's necessarily VAR this week. I think it's just such bad officiating. I feel like the officiating is worse than VAR. It is. I agree with you there, 100%. But, I mean, we're seeing... It's the way the officials are using VAR, which really makes no sense to me. Um, Again, the inconsistency with everything. It's so inconsistent. The Louise one, let's talk about that a bit. Um, Because I really don't don't understand it. he um he he tried to catch up to the guy he catches him i guess as the guy is running full speed his foot catches louis um could you could you could you argue that that is um is a foul i guess i've heard people say they think it actually was a foul and was a penalty which is fucking absurd i don't know one of those with- people go fuck yourself Point blank, go fuck yourself. Because you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I don't necessarily disagree. <laughs> I'm saying, like, I can kind of see it. I would not call it a penalty myself. I would not call it a penalty because I think there needs to be a higher level to truly create commit a penalty. I don't think the foul Ruben Diaz on Mo Salah was a penalty either. But it would be if but, it was an Arsenal player who did it. Well, it was anyway. It so was a red card too is what I meant to say. But but I, I don't, I just think, you know, a penalty should be like like a clear denial of a goal scoring opportunity, you know, and clearly right. doing that. I, I don't think Louise intentionally, and David Louise, believe me, he's he's got the history. Master of the dark arts. Yeah. But he, the thing is, if he did something so blatant, like he didn't do it this play. He really didn't. Was he, if he had caught him, probably going to pull him down? No doubt in my mind. If he had caught him, he would have pulled him down. No doubt there. But he didn't. And I, I, I just don't really agree with it. And I, the fact that they made it a red card baffles me. I don't understand it. And then to not rescind the red card, because we're going to talk about the fact Vanderek's red card was uh, rescinded. How you don't rescind Louise's, I don't understand. Right. Um. I mean, we're going to see what happens with Soychek. I mean, if his doesn't it get... Was rescinded. It was rescinded. Was it? Okay, I didn't see that. Thank you. I mean, which, clear as day. Like, this is the thing. It's like, you... Why is that going to VAR for that one? <laughs> like, I feel like I'm bouncing around, but I, I just... I'm baffled now, and, and it upsets me, because we're sitting here, and we're not really going to talk too much about the games this week. We're more talking about the same thing yet again for the 500 millionth time 
and I'm so sick of it. And it's just it's depressing because it's taking away from the game. It really, really is. Well, here's what's inexcusable to me. If a referee makes that call on David Luiz and there is no such thing as VAR, you can see from his angle on TV when I saw it, I said, Jesus Christ, David Luiz, he's done it again. Yep. From, from the angle that the referee took, it looked like he ripped him down. Fine. You go to VAR. VAR is here to, to correct clear and obvious errors. Pretty clear and obvious that David Luiz didn't do anything wrong. It actually looks like David Luiz is actively not trying to commit a penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet VAR up, upholds the decision. So when you have that chance to take a look at it in the VAR booth, I think you're the one accountable. You can, you know, you can excuse, uh, I think it was Craig Pawson who called that on the field uh, mm-hmm. against Arsenal. You know, David Luiz running like that, the way that William Jose goes down, you know, it, it looked like a red card and a penalty to everyone uh, on the field, I bet. But when you have a chance to get the actual look, there's no excuse. And that's why I raised the point of, is match fixing actually happening? I mean, it, it's stuff like that. It's stuff like when Granit Xhaka gets his leg completely fucking cleated and stomped on by Bruno Fernandez against Manchester United. Far doesn't take a look at it. Far doesn't I, even take a look at it. They don't care. That 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 right there is not match fixing. What that is is blatant favoritism. To which serve. is which is a form of match fixing. Is my point, right? So. I'm not saying that the referees uh, have $100 on, on Wolves in the over. I'm saying that there is a certain level of favoritism that is happening, and it's becoming more and more evident against certain teams, for certain teams. Manchester United get a lot of calls. Arsenal get nearly none. West Ham don't get a lot of calls. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's just becoming so obvious to me, and um, it, it could be because I'm angry, but it looks like, from you, who's enjoying the season, uh, Manchester City top of the table. It it seems like a pretty universal thing that nobody fucking likes VAR unless you're a Manchester United fan. And yeah. and on the topic of favoritism, let's just talk about the Bednarek red card that you uh, mentioned earlier, where Martial goes down and was not touched. Yeah, I mean, and, and Martial saying it's not a foul. Yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, that's my like, favorite. It's just wild. It's and I mean in a game that's eight nil. Let's talk about the fact that at that point it's eight nil. And and Southampton had a perfectly fine goal called back because VAR, uh, while United are up six seven nil, they take away a goal from Southampton for being on sides. I mean the way that they make shit look, uh, there, there's no justice to anything that they're doing in the VAR booth. And like the the goal that Southampton called back. Like the lines that they made, so meticulous. They bring in the 3D view. They're doing fucking geometry. Yeah. In the Arsenal game, they're like, oh, he's off. Uh, a split well, second review. Th- Go that's fuck that's what I'm saying. That's the thing that bothers me the most is the inconsistency with it. Um, when Raheem Sterling drew the penalty in the game, I know you didn't see all of it. Clear as day penalty. Every Liverpool fan would tell you it's a penalty. Fabinho sticks his leg out. They did a full review. Over a minute to review the clear as day penalty. When Salah was fouled in the box by Ruben Diaz, it did. I don't think they even went to review. If they did, it was two seconds. And this one, Michael, was it was kind. He was attempting to. He held him. He tugged him a little, but really his arm slipped off him. He didn't even really grab him. I don't have a problem even calling it a penalty. I have a problem that that one was barely reviewed, if at all. 
<laughs> and yet the clear as day one when Sterling was kicked in the box when a full minute review is where it's like there's clearly like just inconsistency. And I don't want to go as far as you and say like it's a it's a fixing level or, you know, but it's just it's it's odd. It's very I mean, odd. We need to refine it like this needs to be refined really, really needs to be tightened up. We're getting to the Euros this summer, hopefully. Fingers crossed everything. Mm. We're going to have the World Cup next year. Like, I just don't... I don't want to be sitting watching a World Cup final and be watching two squiggly lines drawn and trying to figure out if this guy's fingernail is past some guy's will. fingernail. But you will. That's the, that's the sad reality of VAR. That will happen. Games could be decided. Games have been decided. Arsenal have lost many points this season on VAR making incorrect decisions. Uh, and, and I mean, widely described as incorrect decisions. So I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I think every person has favoritism and bias, um, especially these referees in England. Uh, I, I think a lot of them are picking favorites or basing decisions off player reputation like the David Luiz card. But I also don't think it's crazy that these referees... A, are egomaniacs, all referees are. And and B, I don't think it's insane that they're being told, you know, keep the game close if you can. Like, if it's a penalty to Liverpool and they're down one nothing to City, you know, maybe don't look at it for five minutes. Yep. But if it's if it's uh, 6 nothing United, look at it for 10 minutes and do what you will because United might make history here or something like that. Yep. You know, it, it's just... It's so inconsistent. It's so egregiously wrong so often um and the referees they just it's like you double down on the bad decision with var and it, it just it it becomes so inexcusable and I, i'm at the point where like I, I can't even fathom what could be worse than what's happened already in terms of decision making no yeah i get it i mean i at this point i do question like who is really in favor of it who wants it at this point I think almost every team has been burned by it. Feels like more than they've benefited from it, with the exception of Manchester United. Uh, but like generally speaking, has. And most of the players clearly are not a fan of it. I don't think the fans, I don't know anyone who says, you know what, I really like VAR. I, I just don't right. see it. And I'm so tired of talking about it. I really am. I don't want to keep doing this over and over and over again because I think it just becomes a broken record. It's like talk radio type of like talking <laughs> points. I feel like Skip Bayless here just ranting <laughs> off of the same thing every day. But I, I don't know. Like, I just think it impacts fandom. I think if you had new people coming into the sport and they have to see all of this, I feel like it would. if I was just coming into the sport and I had to see all of this, I'd be like, this is really dumb. I don't like, I maybe wouldn't get into it as much as right. I am into it now. Like I just, that's what I, it worries me more. It's just kind of, it's sad. It makes it kind of sad with that. I can tell you as someone who loves the premier league, loves Arsenal, uh, has a fucking podcast about the premier league. I enjoy it so much. I am so disgusted with what's happening in the league that I have, I've watched less games probably than I ever have since becoming a Premier League fan this season. Um, and I've not enjoyed as many games uh, as I usually would just because there's always the chance of something terrible happening. Like the the Leeds match where Patrick Bamford is called off sides for when he's mm -hmm. completely onside. I mean, 
even again for Spurs, I think in that oh, first Sun. time they met Liverpool, even the second oh, yeah. time they met Liverpool, yeah. both times they met him. Sun scores a goal and they call it back yeah. while he's well, on sides. The Chelsea game too, this this past week. I mean, yeah. on the fourth when Sun scored, uh, it, not off sides, not at all, not close. It, it's just, I don't know what to make of it anymore. It, it's It's hurting the game. If fans were in the stadium for some of these decisions and you're able to see the replay, I don't think the Premier League shows the replay on the big boards so fans don't get riled up. I'm Mm -hmm. pretty sure that happens or does not happen, rather. Uh, Fans would go fucking insane. Imagine seeing that David Luiz red card. Imagine seeing uh, the Bednarek red card or the Sojcek red card uh, over the past week and being in the stadium and having that happen to you. Or just the Lacazette uh, half a toenail off sides. Uh, that uh, amazing Bakayo Saka goal that scored be called off. It's just, who wants to see that? As a Wolves fan, like, do you want to see that red card given against David Luiz? Like, I, I don't know. Like, are the points... I, I, maybe I shouldn't say are the points worth that because as an Arsenal fan, I'd say, yeah, fuck him. Uh, kick him off if, if it was yeah. the other way around. Like, if Willie Bali took out someone... That's a red card, send them off. But as a soccer fan, I think I am mindful enough and not completely so out of my mind biased that I can look at decisions and I say, he's offsides or that's a red card or that's a penalty. But who wants to see that? Who in the world wants to see these decisions being made? It just hurts the game. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. I, I, I find it like, can we talk about the story check one for a little bit? Because this one is funny. So we have... Um, at the time, I want to say West Ham has a free kick on the outside of Fulham's box in 90, 90th plus minute at this point. Uh, Sojcek is getting held by Mitrovic, uh, raises his arm in the process of getting, you know, his arm loose from the man who was holding it, at which point his arm catches Mitrovic in the face. Mitrovic, of course, makes a meal of it. Yeah. Um, nothing. Completely... Nothing innocuous, nothing on the at all. Should have been nothing. Uh, Lee Mason's the uh, the fourth the VAR official asks uh, Mike Dean. So these two knuckleheads, two of the biggest <laughs> knuckleheads, quite frankly, in the league, uh, and Mike Dean, who is a history, world renowned for making every game about Mike Dean. His favorite mm-hmm. thing to do is to be the biggest star of every game he's in. Goes to the goes to look at the monitor, watches this replay. He had to watch it thirty times. Um, so what's clear and obvious? Yes. So right there, first of all, you don't. This is again. Don't change it. If you have to watch it thirty times, you should not be changing what you made on the field. Let's right. just say that. And I know people say, "Oh, clear and obvious isn't really the thing in VAR." It doesn't matter if you have to watch the thing over and over and over and over again. Just go with what you called on the field, because you you cannot be sure. You're not sure at that point if you have to keep watching it. Mm-hmm. Then it comes out of nowhere. And, and, and honestly, once I saw him watching it over and over again. Knowing Mike Dean, I think every single person knew, oh, he's going to give him a red card. Like, there's no doubt in our in anyone's mind at that point, he's going to give a red card. That's exactly what he does. At that point, I, if the West Ham players wanted to walk off the field, I would have been totally cool with it because I would have just walked. It's like, it's it makes, it's a farce. It literally is just, it's pathetic. It was pathetic to do that. Um, it was a week of pathetic refereeing. We've said it for a while now how bad the refereeing in this league is. 
Um, everybody's always going to say that. I feel like even if you have a great official, you're going to say they're right. bad when because you know calls against your team and everything. But right now, this is like gotten to a point where it's a problem that there are constantly bad calls. And then to your point, you have the opportunity to correct those bad calls, and you do and nothing. You double down. Yep. Or you don't make a call on the field and then go to the monitor and decide to make a call which you have to watch 20 times to decide what it is. It's like, and again, I say it every single week, if you have to draw a line and break it down to the millisecond to see if a toenail was offsides, that is not offsides to me. I want the goal. I don't care if it's against me. I want, we want goals. If it's so frigging close that you have to break it down and watch 30 replays, it's not offsides. Right. Don't call it offsides. What what advantage could Lacazette get from being a, a toe offsides? What advantage could Sun get from from not being offsides? Not being offsides. I mean, <laughs> I mean our Bamford in that Leeds game a while ago. It's just it's just so wrong. The game is being manipulated. And another reason why match fixing comes to my mind, uh, and maybe we should get off this topic soon and start talking about some other stuff that's less depressing. Uh, the match fixing is on my mind because the Premier League officiating, uh, it's not just bad. It's fucking horrific. It's egregious. And it is always, always so much worse than the next league over. Like, the Champions League officiating is not even close to this bad. The Bundesliga officiating is not even close. It's pretty bad. Look, I, I've, uh, listen, I, all officiating, no one's going to be happy with it. Yep. It's generally seen as bad. Mm-hmm. But this is egregious. I, the I Premier agree. League is egregiously bad. Yep. It's so out of control. Um, and again, I think it's. I think a lot of these officials make the game about them. 100%. And I think that's the biggest problem. Yeah, I don't know. Um, needless to say, if I had my way, I would go back to the way that the game was played for however long this game has been being played without the help of a video assistant referee. Things are too complicated. Decisions are being microanalyzed, um, and it's changing the outcomes of games for the worse. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the best moments in history, like it or not, have come through... Uh, no call decisions or uh, I mean just the lack of being able to take that second look like the the hand of God that infamous moment is mm-hmm. probably the worst moment for mm-hmm. I forget the national team who it went against at this point England England yeah um, but for Argentina just it's just a, a historic moment that those things will never have which is probably a good thing but I, I don't know I just the the game the lore of the game is gone in this current state. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm yeah, no, I get it. Um, I get it. And I, I know we wanted to talk about that a bit, and we've kind of gone off on it for like probably like a half a hour. 20 now. minute rant. Yeah. Yeah. A 20 minute rant about it. Was it was deserved it, after the week it, it's it had. It's justified. I hope we don't have to keep doing it, is the main thing. I really we just will. don't want to. Um, I did want to say, I mean, to kind of transition a little bit, we can kind of stick with Arsenal with it. Arsenal, who had such a great um, January, have not had the great start to February. Um, just when it looked like things had turned around for Arsenal, uh, and granted, I think the David Luiz red card really set the tone for this and kind of screwed them, and then burned Leno doing whatever the hell he was doing. Um, 
not a good week for Arsenal. 2-1 defeat to Wolves. 1-0 at Aston Villa. Yeah. Thoughts, Michael? Angry. Frustrating. Um, the Wolves game, I mean, we I tweeted but literally uh, a split second before the David Luiz incident that Arsenal just played their best half of the season. And they did. They created a ton of chances. They were attacking. Uh, they were playing with some flair. Pepe scored a phenomenal goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, let me give props to Pepe for being maybe the best Arsenal player over the past few weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's looked great doing his defensive work. He's got a little pep in his step, and uh, he's scoring. And Arsenal, they, they looked very good that first half. Um, even with 10, 9 men, they had a few chances to score in that Wolves game and looked like they could have. There's not a single doubt in my mind that if we had 11 men, uh, we would have won that game probably 3 Three, one, two, one. I mean, easily, I think. Um, and Wolves, I, I mean, while we're here, we might as well talk about them. I don't think Wolves did anything especially good in that game. I think they were pretty poor, especially in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, without the help of VAR and without a wonder strike from Matinho, who I don't think has scored in like two years or something like that before this game, of course, um, they would have lost this game easily. So... Uh, if I'm a Wolves fan, I'm happy I'm taking the points because you were in 14th before this game. Uh, but Wolves are not the team they once were. And we've talked about that a few times, mm-hmm. but they're just so, so unimpressive, dull. I know they're missing Jimenez. I know they sold Jotub and Triore is not the same player, but I'd be frustrated if I were a Wolves fan. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. And what about Villa, though? I thought, I mean, yeah. it, it, it score, they get up 1 0 very early. Two minutes in, Ollie Watkins, and then let me let me say, Villa. I think Villa are a great team. I think Villa have a lot of very good players. I think Ollie Watkins is a star. I genuinely think he's he's going to be a phenomenal player in the Premier League. He reminds me a lot of Callum Wilson, and mm-hmm. I like Callum Wilson a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he scores early off a mistake from Cedric. Uh, Gabriel doesn't really clear the ball all that well, but he gets it to Cedric. And then Cedric plays a pass back to him about three, four yards too short. Triori takes it, passes to Ali Watkins. The ball goes through Rob Holding's legs, deflects off him, and goes past Matt Ryan. Um, a goal that only a team could score against Arsenal. I mean, the goals like that don't go in for anyone else unless you play Arsenal. Um, so unlucky, but you know, you make a mistake, you get punished for it in this league, and Arsenal get punished every single time they make a mistake. So it had to be. Um, and then aside from that, I mean, Arsenal didn't play all that badly, I didn't think. They're just not clinical. Arsenal have a problem scoring. They have all season. Uh, I think even during that run where Arsenal had a, had a great January, like you just said, and they were scoring a little bit more, I think when it first happened, I prefaced this by saying Arsenal still have a lot of problems, like up front especially, in the spot where you wouldn't think they have the problems. Mm-hmm. They can't score. Uh, I mean... There's not a single clinical finisher right now on the team. It was Aubameyang. Aubameyang has been out for a while. Uh, I think his mother was sick. Um, so he was out for a few matches. And before that, we know Aubameyang wasn't playing well. Mm-hmm. Um, the only clinical finisher on that team, Lacazette, always feels like he has a ton of chances, doesn't capitalize, uh, even though he's been playing good lately. But Kyle Sack is 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of the game runs through him, but still not a clinical finisher yet. And then Pepe. Pepe, who knows what you're going to get? Not yeah. clinical. Yeah. So 
the team doesn't have a, a, a true clinical finisher like a Manchester City would have in Aguero or Spurs have in Kane. Um, and with that, I think they win a lot more games. I think they potentially win or draw a game like this against Villa. Um, Emmy Martinez, of course, flawless throughout the game. Uh, another questionable decision or no call from VAR and the refereeing where Emmy Martinez literally rips Lacazette down. And Lacazette call for the foul. <laughs> yeah. And uh and no one no one looks at it. No one no one gives it a glance. But I'll just say credit to Villa. They're a good side. They play well, they play strong. They could have had a few more goals. We could have had a few more goals. Um we could have had one goal at least, but a disappointing week, week and a half for Arsenal. And that's gonna be the trend of this season. It's gonna we're gonna hit Good patches, we're going to hit rough patches. And especially now we're playing Benfica. We have Leeds yep. on the weekend. We have City coming up. Yep. I am not. Spurs going, and Liverpool not long after that. I won't experience joy probably till May. So, so here's the one question I want to ask you, Darcy, then we'll move on. And, and I mean, I think Benfica is a real tough matchup, I have to yep. say. Um, here's a question Do you think they're going to make, like, are they going to miss out on Europe mm. entirely? Arsenal have been exceptionally bad this year in the league, especially they've they've lost ten games already out of twenty three. But everyone else is so up and down in the same way to a less degree than Arsenal. Mm-hmm. But I think if you can go on a run where you win five six games on the the bounce, you'll be right back in that conversation for top yeah. six. Yeah. So I'm not ruling them out. I still think the Europa League's a possibility. I mean, the team's too good on paper, at least. Not to think that they can beat anyone in the Europa League. So I'm not completely out on them uh, in terms of making a European competition, but we'll see. I'm not uh, a confident, but I'm not out. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's fair. That's kind of where I would put it myself. I still think I'd probably, if you asked me, like, do they make it? I'd probably still say they do. Um, But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, do you want to talk about City now? Go to yeah. a happier note. Yeah, on a happier note. I, I, I wanna I, I I just wanna say, first of all, it just felt good winning this game 4 1. It felt <laughs> it felt great. It felt really, really, really good at Anfield. Third straight defeat at Anfield for Liverpool, which after like what what was, was it, 60 68 something. games yeah. prior to that, uh without one, and now they've lost three straight. Um, I will say, and I want to say it for Liverpool's sake is Anfield without fans. It, it's not the same. Like, I think Pep actually said it in the press conference, uh, when Liverpool pulled one back on the somewhat controversial penalty, if, if their crowd was in that game, it would have been a very, very different game. Right. Um, but to go through this game, first half, nil, nil city missed the penalty, Okay, Gundogan, just another player for City that just no one can make penalties. They always miss them. They no one on the team can make it. Ederson at some point should be given the shot (laughs) that he's been asking for. He really should. And that was another thing Pep said. Pep said in the press conferences, he's been saying, you know, it started off as a joke. Now it's (laughs) a hack joke because he has to almost really consider it. Yeah. Because no one can make them. Which is crazy for a team filled with the the millions millions of dollars worth of players and the stars that they are. None of them, for whatever reason, can make penalties. Right. Um, but Gundogan makes up for it. Two goals in the second half. Um, 
Raheem Sterling eviscerated Trent Alexander-Arnold. <laughs> um, that, I mean, Trent, here's the thing. Trent is a star. He is a true star going forward, one of, if not the best right back in the world right now going forward. Um, he is a bad defender. One-on-one, he is a bad oh, defender. Uh. He is actually bad. Because Sterling, he he had him, he could go left on him, he could go right. He There was nothing he could do. Um, he completely worked him. And then I have to give credit. I've said it at the top of the show, Phil Foden had a poor, uh, somewhat poor first half playing as a false nine, not really getting into the game that much. Second half moves out to the wing uh, once Jesus came on, and that's where he just he thrives, created the, one of the Gundogan goals, played amazing, scored an absolute rocket past yeah. Allison. Uh, Allison, who had two mistakes, quite frankly, had three mistakes, two in one play, but led to two of the goals. Um, just proves, you know, Ederson's better, of course. Uh, <laughs> but uh, just City look like a team that just, they found themselves. They went through a real, we were calling them, you were calling them the most boring team in the world at the beginning yep. of the year. They were winning or losing every game basically with only one goal. They'd score mm-hmm. one They'd lose 1-0. they draw. They had a lot of draws at the beginning of the year. Um, they just had the inability to score. They've figured that out, and it's been goals from Gundogan, who leads the team in goals right now. Crazy, by uh, the way. Phil Foden, who I believe actually leads the team in all competition in goals. Like, players just... They've had have not had Aguero all season. He's been trying to get back on different occasions and had COVID. Anytime he's been in, he's been in a couple cup games and he's come off the bench a few times, but he hasn't basically not been here all season. Kevin De Bruyne's been out for weeks now, and this team is just pushing forward, playing as a team. They they have that energy again, that swagger. Like they they're like yeah. a heavyweight champ that's like hungry to get their belt back now. This is what I think we both thought at the beginning of the year we were gonna see. And I think a lot of the fact of not having the preseason and everything with the pandemic impacted that. But they look like the team now that, you know, lost their title and they want it back. And it's great to watch as a fan, but I also think they've just been a fun team to watch. I think their defense, Ruben Diaz, who, you know, gave the penalty away in this game, but has been a game changer for them. Jao Cancelo, who's become just, you know, just the, like, the perfect, like, I don't even know how to explain it. He's a puzzle piece that fits every part of the puzzle. They can put him wherever they need him to be, and he's very useful. Zinchenko, who's back in the team, he's the guy who just won't die. Like He always finds his way back in. They try to get rid of him. In the end, he's back in, playing <laughs> in a game against Mo Salah and doing a really good job. Um, just really impressed all around with City in this game. I really, It's crazy to see Foden, who's 20 years old, be, like honestly, outside of Gunduan, probably their most important player right now. And it's just really crazy to see. It's awesome to see that. I'm sure you feel the same way with Saka at Arsenal yeah. to see a young player come through the system, grew up a fan of the team, and just performing that way is awesome. And, you know, City have often been criticized for, you know, their, you know, buying players and all that, but to have developed someone who's grew up there as a fan, developed them, and now he is, he's a star. He really has become a star. Yep. And it's awesome to see. I hope he keeps developing. I love that Pep, after the game, even said, you know, like, he basically said he was bad in the first half, and he still has a lot to learn. And mm-hmm. how great he is, he could still get so much better. And that's really, I would be scared if I'm the opposition to think that. 
But it's good to see. I mean, I think we said at the beginning of the year we stuck through it that I at least I did that, you know, City would come good. I said it from the beginning and I think they will. I think there's a chance they could pull away from the rest. I really do think that. I hope I'm right, obviously, as a fan. But I also just think that the way they're playing, while everybody else is still kind of just having peaks and valleys, City seem to have leveled that out. Uh, obviously, injuries can always change that. Right. Well, I mean, they've had injuries. No Aguero, no De Bruyne. And to still get this far, it's pretty great. Right. Uh, and Liverpool, we should just say, they don't... Another team, you know, ravaged with injuries still. Uh, made a few signings. And, and to fill in and center back, but they didn't didn't get to start in the city game. Uh, it's it's hard to explain what's going on with them. I mean, they still have a lot of those core players. Yeah. Granted, a lot of them are out of position playing center back. Um, you know, a lot of the names that we'd see perform normally just haven't for Liverpool and and Jurgen Klopp and his press conferences. Man, we need to talk about that. I know. We do. We do. We've we've said it a few times, I think, on different occasions that like when things are bad for Jurgen Klopp, he is the most annoying manager in the league. And like, oh man, he lives up to the reputation. We we nailed that one spot on. He mm-hmm. is the most whiny little B word. I don't know why mm-hmm. I'm censoring myself to say bitch um, after I've been yelling fuck bar for this entire episode. <laughs> but uh when when he's not on the right side of things, he is uh, he's a trip. He's not the smiley, huggy Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, we've said that. We've said he gets away with a lot in the media because he's got that like when it, things are going great, he's funny. He's got that smile. He's charismatic. But I, I mean, the, the the whole and we talked about it. I I think we talked about it. No, we didn't. About the city had two weeks off, which is just yeah. completely untrue. <laughs> city played actually. And less rest than Liverpool had that same week and played with 14 players because they had all players out with COVID. Like, it's a ridiculous thing to say. It was a stupid thing. They tried to backtrack from it. He said it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the excuses. I, I feel for them because I think they're going through a lot of what City went through last season without Laporte, which is you end up having two losses because to cover up the fact that you don't have Van Dyke, right. you have to move Fabinho and now Henderson too into the center back, which then means you also lose your 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 kind of linchpin in the midfield. Right. So you end up creating two holes, which is what happened with City, where they had to fill Laporte's hole with Fernandinho, which then created a Fernandinho-sized hole in the midfield. And it just it doesn't work that way. But again, players, too, not playing great. Allison was very, very poor. Trent was very poor. Robertson was not good. Yeah. I think, too, there's a thing of the Liverpool have spent three seasons, really, at least two and a half, I'd say, the second half of the season where they made that first Champions League run two seasons ago, winning the Champions League and last season winning the league, they've been playing with such intensity for so long. At some point, you're going to break down even without the pandemic, and then you add the pandemic on that, and it just, right. it just, uh, you know, it, it. what's the word I'm looking for? It, it makes it, I can't think of the word, but essentially multiplies it to an even greater level, yeah. and this was bound to happen. It might just be happening a little sooner now. Yeah, yeah, and the injuries definitely accelerate things like that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Liverpool have just been fun, so fun to watch at certain times. Like you get those moments of magic, like against West Ham, and then some games it just look so flat. And that's that's the uncharacteristic thing about Liverpool this year. It's they they're not winning the games that you would always expect them to, but then they can still go out and put out a fantastic performance. 
Um, so I'm interested to see where they finish this year. I don't, I don't know if you can lose as many games as they have already and, and still be a serious title contender. So we'll see. This we is shall a, see. A, a weird year. But Jimmy, who else should we talk about here? I know we don't want to go too deep into things because we're running long. Maybe we yep. should talk uh, United probably, right? A little United. I'd like to talk a little Chelsea too. Just a little bit of Tuchel and yep. how things are going there. But let's let's touch on United first. They had um, a interesting week to say the least, right? Yeah. Yeah. A 9-0 for Southampton. Yes. Uh <laughs> an epic beatdown, which uh quite frankly, Southampton, you deserved it. That I, I saw some people trying to defend the red card by I and I don't even know how to pronounce it. Jankowitz. It was a clear as day red card. If you don't think that's a red card, you're a fool. You're a clown. <laughs> Absolute clown. I understand he was trying to play the ball, but he was like, he was two minutes late. He wasn't second. He was late as can be. If that's your attempt to play the ball, then yeah, maybe he's not ready to play at this level. If that's the best <laughs> attempt he can make to play the ball. Once yeah. that happened, Southampton, two seasons in a row with a 9-0 loss. You did it. I don't know how you did it, but you did it. <laughs> You know what's crazy? Even with losing 9-0 in two consecutive seasons, uh, I think Ralph Hassan-Huddle is one of the better managers in the league. This is not his fault. No. He didn't tell, he didn't tell Jankowicz to go out there and try to break McTominay in the first two minutes of the game. Yeah, and they, they play with nine men for, uh, I don't know how long, I'm trying to find it now, but Benderek also got a red card. So they were they were up against it, but to concede nine is... It's concerning, to say the least. I know a reporter asked Hassan Huddle after the game if he would resign, and he basically just laughed that off, which is the correct response. Um, because Southampton have been excellent, I think, for this entire season, basically. At least for the start of the season. They've gone on a really poor run now, yeah. um, but they started the season really well. I do feel somewhat vindicated of my... I feel better about my original beginning of the year when I said I don't think Southampton are that good. I feel a little better now that they've gone such a poor run. But, um, I mean, they'll be fine. They're not going down. <laughs> and uh, United also drew Everton 3-3 in an absolutely insane one. Yeah. We had kinda, a Cavani. Go ahead. I was going to kind of threw this one away, guys. Yeah. I was going to say we had an early Cavani goal in the 24th. Uh, and then United actually went up 2-0. And then this game ended up being... 3-3 Calvert-Lewin in the last minutes of the game scores one. Uh, I mean, United, we don't need to, to go over again that we don't think they're title contenders. They look good. They look good this year. It's just they don't do enough in a lot of the games they play. I'm yeah, actually good. surprised they scored as many as they did in this one because against the, the big six, um, they've been very boring. So this was actually a fun United performance, at least. I think they are a good team. I do think they are a good team. There's a lot of talent there. I want to say, too, actually someone I want to point out, someone who I think is actually pretty low-key, like a, a great player, or, or at least a very good player, which is Scott McTominay. Yeah. Like, he, he, he deserves a lot of credit. He's a very good midfielder, a very good, like, low-key, sneaky goal scorer, too. Constantly pops up with goals over and over and over again. Did in this game, did in the 9-0, but at that point, I think everybody but the hand <laughs> popped in at that point. But just 
he he he's very good. I think he allows players like Pogba and Fernandez to do what they want to do, which is float around a bit more. Um, I I I just Luke Shaw has been excellent this season. I I've been I've been a lot more impressed with United than I expected to be. Uh. I, I think they're good. I, I don't think they're true title contender. Again, yeah. I've said all season to me it's Liverpool and City, and if Liverpool don't figure it out soon, it's just going to be City. So we'll see. But United uh, are good. They're a good team. Yeah, I, I think we can leave it at that. We talk about United, I feel like, every week, and we say kind of the same thing. Yeah. Um, but Everton, you know, they have 21 games played, 37 points. So with six more points, they'd be on 43, which is level with Leicester in third place. I think Everton are, are pretty similar in the in the sense that we both think they're a very solid, good team. Mm-hmm. But it's just in, in certain matches, they just don't get it they done. They don't always like, show up. You, you lose 2-0 against Newcastle, who were on the brink of firing the manager for four weeks running. Yeah. Uh, and, and you save his job. It's, it's stuff like that that determines title contenders, Europe, uh, European spot contenders. Everton, I think, are in the conversation for Champions League, obviously, and, and serious contenders for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't know. They they always have the capacity to lose any game. Uh, yeah, totally. Totally agree with everything you said there. Definitely think they're totally in the European picture, chance for the Champions League picture. Uh, I do think that, at least for Everton, the way I look at it is this is the team we've expected them to be for a couple years now. So I'm glad to see that they've kind of at least gotten there now. Right. Like they're at least at that level. I think that's a big step. And they have the potential to evolve beyond that. But I think at least getting into Europe, especially if they get the Champions League, but getting into Europe will be a good move for them for this season. And then they'll have the ability to grow upon that. Yeah. Uh, but you wanted to talk about Chelsea. I do. Tuchel. Tuchel. Tuchel comes in and he's got them rolling a bit here. It's getting going a little bit. Um, obviously, he came in the the Wolves match. He really had no impact on that on the nil nil draw. Then didn't have enough time, but gets the two nil victory over Burnley, the one nil victory over Spurs, and then a and then a another victory, a uh, hard fought one, two one over Sheffield. Ah, uh, Chelsea look better. They look better. That's yeah. the, that's what I want to say. But the thing I'm wondering is, I, I like Thomas Tuchel a lot. I think he's going to be a, a good manager in this league. I wonder if these results change because of Thomas Tuchel or Frank Lampard's there. Like, they should beat Sheffield. They should beat Burnley. And I think Chelsea, you know, would probably have beaten Spurs this match anyway. I mean, Spurs were without Harry Kane. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I've seen enough. I haven't seen enough yet to be like, oh, Thomas Tuchel. I've just been meh. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I'm not saying I'm blown away with him. Right, I know. Game, but I'm saying he steadied the ship. I think it's interesting that we're seeing Azpilicueta and Alonso and Rudiger back in the team. I think that's yeah. helped. I think they look a lot better defensively, which is the main difference he's made. Because under Frank, they were pretty shit defensively, yeah. to put it lightly. Um <laughs> And I think they look better that way. I still think, I mean, I think there's a lot to figure out at Chelsea. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of our boy Pulisic playing much in these games. We, we've we seen none of, and I, I think he's injured right now. Um, 
uh, Kai Havertz hasn't or or hasn't played. Zayich has been on the bench. I mean, oh, they spent a lot of a lot of money on these players. They're gonna want them to get in at some point. But the point is, I think he's he's making do. He's sorting it out. I think it's a good first step. I mean, to bring in a new manager to be able to you know run off or draw in three wins, it's a pretty good start. Yeah. I'd kill for three wins. <laughs> um, I mean, looking now, I mean, they're on 39 points right now. They're one off of Liverpool. For four. Yeah, I know. That's in, in a week ago, they were a point off Arsenal. That's that's the prime example of this season. Uh, 11th place and third, fourth are not too far away this year. Um, but let's talk about Spurs just for a minute. Uh, they got a 2-0 victory over West Brom with the return of Harry Kane. And before that, they had they had lost three on the trot in the league: Liverpool, Brighton, and then Chelsea. Granted, tough matches, um, but steady the ship with Harry Kane back. Spurs are in eighth right now. Where do you think they finish this year? Because we, you know, at the beginning of this year, we were all oh, Spurs are the the true title contenders. They always could be under Jose. They're mm-hmm. going to win a trophy this year. And now it's like eh, Spurs have fallen back down. People are starting to hate Jose. I think they finish fifth or sixth. If you had to tell me to pick one now, I'll put them at six. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think they definitely make your Europa League. So do I. I still think there's a chance they can win a cup with Jose. But I I do think at this point that the Jose patience is running thin. I think the big question is if they do not make the Champions League, does Harry Kane finally move? Like, uh, does he move, and where do you see him going? For Harry Kane to move, I feel like something would have to be very wrong with Spurs. Like, there would have to be a situation, like, there's no hope. They don't want to fire Jose. Like, if this is the scenario that they, they're, they like, choosing Jose over him, which would never happen. Um, I don't see Harry Kane moving, no matter what. I, I feel like he's a lifer at Tottenham Hotspur. He's just that kind of guy. Um, but if he were to move, Real Madrid is the answer, right? So I have a couple other thoughts. Well, one, I want to say this. Harry Kane is 27. He will be 28 come the start of next season. Mm. If he's going to move, he has to move now. This is his window to move or it's over. Right. Harry Kane is too good to spend his entire career not really competing for trophies which is what he's doing at Spurs. It's tough to say not really competing because they were in a Champions League final, but that was such a, an a anomaly. It was a fluke. <laughs> yeah, it was a I fluke. Mean, it was. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, legitimately competing for the league. Right. They haven't right. really. He's too good a player. Um, And I think there's a lot of teams that need number nines. I think my team needs a number nine. I think they would die for Harry Kane. I don't think they'll get him. I think Manchester United would be a legit title contender if they had Harry Kane. Right. I do too. Um, I look at Barcelona, Real Madrid. These are all teams that need him. Possibly Juventus, Cristiano Ronaldo, not going to stay forever. Like there's great, great teams. I think everybody would want to have Harry Kane in their team. I think Spurs are a pain in the balls when it comes to buying players. So I don't think it would be easy, but if I'm Harry Kane and they don't make champions league, this is the year for him to move. Yeah, I wonder With the what his Euros, contract the World is. Cup coming up. It, it's now or never. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I don't think if he showed desire to move, I don't think Spurs would make the Christian Eriksen mistake again where they hold him against his will and half his value. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least you'd hope that they wouldn't for their sake. Uh, but but who knows? I, I just don't see him leaving. I feel like Harry Kane is... He's too English to go anywhere else. <laughs> and if he went to City, I feel like it'd be... Or United, for example, it'd be such a betrayal to Spurs fans, and I feel like he wouldn't be capable of it. So, uh, I guess we'll we'll see. I don't know what his contract looks like. I'd be curious to see how many years he has on that, but uh, I don't I don't know if I see it. We'll see. That's my thoughts, though. Yeah, I, I think if they miss him, son, both of them could be on the go. Yeah, uh, and I think the last team I want to hit before predictions, we could probably just. I just want to make a note to Newcastle. How funny is this team? They beat Everton two 0 uh, they lose to Palace, and then they go on and beat Southampton. Granted, coming off a 9-0 spanking. Uh, and my man Joe Willick gets a goal. And Newcastle, they win with 10 men for 50 minutes onwards. Yeah. Uh, wh- what do you make of this team? <laughs> I don't know what to make of them. <laughs> I mean, I think what I would say is I think both of us like a lot of the players on their team. So I don't mm-hmm. think they're bad players. Um, I still think that they should move on from Steve Bruce. Yeah. But I was never in on Steve Bruce. And then he surprised us last year and they had a good season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to move on now when you've won two out of three. But I just I, I also think that the three teams that are in the relegation zone right now are so clearly the three teams that are going to go down that you can almost feel a little secure in keeping him until the end of the season and bringing somebody in new yeah. is almost kind of my approach. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm always for getting somebody new in so you can start weeding out the players. They can get a test of them. But, I mean, I, I honestly think Fulham, West Brom, and Sheffield are going down. And Sheffield's been playing much better. Two wins out of their last four. But they had built themselves such a hole. I can't see them climbing out. Yeah. West Brom have been abysmal. In Fulham, <laughs> Fulham are, can get draws, but they can't get victories. Right. And that gets you relegated. Yep, yep. Um, I, I just think Newcastle are such a different team when St. Maximum plays. It's actually funny to see how much better they are with him in the team. Um, and, you know, the, the few matches that he's played, they've gotten results. So Can I say one, one last thing? is I don't understand why Liverpool loaned Minamino to Southampton. <laughs> I know I mean, he hasn't done much at Liverpool, but like you're dealing with injuries and that's all we ever hear from Klopp. And then you're sending out a player who has played for you quite a bit out on loan. I just don't really get it. I mean, he scored a goal in this game too. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't really get it, but whatever. <laughs> um, but anyways, Jimmy, let's get into some predictions. We got some weekend matches coming up. We have midweek FA cup matches. I don't care about the FA cup anymore. <laughs> Uh, only small teams care about the FA Cup now, Jimmy. That Arsenal are out. Uh, anyways, we have Leicester and Liverpool at 7.30 Saturday morning. Who do you got? I, I think Liverpool will win this one. I am going to go with a 2-1 Liverpool win. 2-1 Leicester. I think at home, Leicester might take this one. I'm going 2-1 Leicester. Uh, Palace versus Burnley. Palace did not look good today. But I'm going to go Palace 1-0. 2-2 no. uh, draw. City versus Spurs. City's uh, 
What is it? Arch nemesis. Yeah, I do not like playing Spurs. I really don't like playing Spurs. I already know Son is going to score in this game first. It's <laughs> da- no doubt in my mind. I'm going to say City stay hot, though. I'm going to go 2-1. I'll follow you on 2-1, but yeah, it's always concerning when these two play. Brighton and Villa. Villa, 3-0. Mm. You know what? We're going to throw in this one. It's not a Premier League game, but just for Gavin and my Luton Town fans. Birmingham <laughs> versus Luton. No context. I won't tell you where they are on the table. Birmingham versus Luton. As you know I'm riding with Luton. I got Luton 1-0. Birmingham are in 22nd place. Luton Town are in 15th. Uh, I got 3-0. James Collins hat trick, baby. (laughs) And then Saturday we have, oh no, Arsenal versus Leeds. Uh, So, Uh, I almost, I like, everything's telling me to pick Leeds. But I'm going to go Arsenal 2-1. I chose against Arsenal, uh, when they played Villa and I was right and I'm choosing against them again, two, one leads. Hooray. <laughs> Another exciting weekend for Michael, uh, Southampton versus wolves. I'm going to go this to me. Nil, no, nil, no, no, no in my head. It's a nil, no, two, one Southampton West Brom versus United. One, one. I was, Thinking in my mind, this is the exact game where United will drop points because they shouldn't drop any points against mm-hmm. fucking West Brom. To add to your frustration, United fans, 1-1. I'll stick with you, Jimmy. Uh, Everton versus Fulham. I'm going to stick with Everton on this. I'm going to go 3-1 Everton. 1-1. This is another 1-1. Everton are going to bring their fans back down to earth after giving them some joy on the weekend. Uh, West Ham versus Sheffield. 2-0 West Ham. Yeah, I'll go 2-0 with you. I, I don't believe in Sheffield at all. I, I mean, any team that has Brewster on their on their roster is not going <laughs> to win many matches, unfortunately. Uh, and Chelsea versus Newcastle. 3-0 Chelsea. Mm, 2-1 Chelsea. I'm not going to go 3-0. No. Um, I'd like to do the two midweek games just because there's the two makeup games here on Wednesday. Sure. Which is Everton and City. Ooh. It's a, a tasty one. Ah, 2-1 City. I am going to go 3-1 City. Mm. All right. I don't hate that. And then the last one we'll do is Burnley and Fulham at Turf Moor. A big one for Fulham if they can get a result. 2-1 Burnley. I am going to go a Wednesday 1 o'clock nil-nil. Uh, I hate it. I hate it, but you're probably right. Uh, and I do just want to mention that Champions League is actually back this week. Yep. Uh, that's exciting. Yep. Or actually, is it this week? No, no, no. It's the week following. Next week. It's the yeah, week next with week. those. Yep. Yep. Um, but anyways, Jimmy, before we go, why don't you hit him with the plugs? So, uh, oh, sorry, you you surprised me. You caught me off guard. I was looking up the Champions League date. Uh, it's the 16th, so it is next week, just to confirm. Uh, but you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SoccerMostly. Email us, MostlySoccerShow at gmail.com. We would love a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. really helps us out. And, Michael, we didn't say it before, but I have to say it again. My man, Tom Brady, seven uh, 
Seven rings. I don't even know what to say about that. Just the goat. The The goat. goat. Uh, But anyways, Jimmy, we will see you next week. Bye-bye.